Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. I'm Kim Grinnells along with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. We are in the bowels of Husky Stadium post-practice, day number three of uh, spring ball. And uh, spring, not on the shores of Lake Washington today. They actually, for some reason, moved practice inside to the Dempsey. Not sure what the reasoning was behind that. But well, 40 mile an hour wind tell, guests. Well, also tell people <laughs> what you saw when you were leaving your house this morning, and maybe that was why. What did I see? The pissing rain? Oh, it was pouring when I left. And Dan Rayleigh, it was pouring when he left, and I hit about Bellevue, and yeah. it was sunshiny, but it was kind of windy. But it's you know, forty we, mile an hour winds, dude. You can't get anything done throwing the ball. We've then. been out, we've been out there during worse. Yeah, and the coaches said we wished we had gone inside. <laughs> well, and the problem is, is that when 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 the winds are whipping like that, yeah. it's not. I mean, yes, there's problems, you know, throwing the ball and things like that. But more to the point. The, the weather is very you're at the whims of it and yeah. they just they have too much to they, work they on. have they have way too much to accomplish in a yeah. very short amount of time yeah. yeah and you know they have a lot to accomplish and unfortunately you know we don't get to see a lot of it you know they've kind of locked a lot of the stuff down and we just get to see glimpses here and there but you know we were allowed 45 minutes till about 9:15 and then they practiced until 10:30 so we didn't see the last hour and 15 minutes of the practice but uh you know inside uh outside of the elements so um you know just you know one of the things I just wanted to lead off talking about is this coaching staff is it's they're different um I've these these are it's that midwestern type personality where they're just hard-working nice guys where you know Lee Marks came over and introduced himself to me today coach DeBoer came over and shook all of our hands and you know said glad to have you guys here but have we have you ever had a coach Scott no tell you thanks for being here it's good to be here no Sark was usually like what do you need what do you want (laughs) you know and and Pete was Pete just kind of looked at you out of the side like, of his Like, what are you eye, doing like, here? Yeah, yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, just the characters. And then, you know, I had a chance to talk to Alex Cook post-practice, and he said something that just really perked up my ears. He said that, you know, with this coaching staff, um, with Coach DeBoer, he says he's never heard him once raise his voice or swear. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just baffled by that. He doesn't seem like that personality. That, that just for the record, Kim, before we devolve into your stereotypes about how Midwest guys are good and wholesome and Christian and blah, blah, <laughs> blah, 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 and they don't, they never raise their – Lee Marks is from Southern California. He went to Taft High School, Woodland Hills. <laughs> so this is – this is the, but, but the point is is that this devolve this, – this, this starts at the top. Yeah. This starts with Kalen DeBoer. And Kalen DeBoer is the one who obviously it's, – it's the Don James method. You are the coach, you coach the coaches, and then the coaches coach their players. 
So, you know, it's just it's the well, way it is. Well, most of the time, you know, in all the years we've been doing this, when you ask a coach, you know, why why did you decide to come? And they talk about the University of Washington, the football program, the legacy, and all of this stuff. But you talk to these coaches and ask them, you know, what made them come to Seattle with Coach DeBoer, and they all say that Coach DeBoer is the reason. Yeah, I mean, Jamarcus uh, Shepard said, said that when we talked to him. Uh, Brechterfield told me that. Um, I don't know what he said today to you, Chris. Did well, when I talked to Brechterfield, Brechterfield, obviously Brechterfield, for people that remember, he played with Jonathan Smith at Oregon State. He, you know, his family, they were thinking about trying to come back more to the to the West Coast because this is where he's from. And even though he had had stints at places like Wisconsin and then he was at Vanderbilt, um, he said, so we were keeping our options open and we were certainly excited about a potential opportunity at Washington. But... You know, he knew Eric Schmidt. That was kind of his in, apparently. That's kind of the – he didn't know DeBoer or anything like that. He goes, but once we actually got into some Zoom chats and really got a chance to face-to-face to face a little bit, he goes, then it became a no-brainer. He goes, That's, that was all it took for me to, to know that this was going to be the right fit. It's also real interesting talking to these coaches about, you know, um, family and uh, – Coach DeBoer's family's not here with him yet, and the same None goes. None of their families are. Yeah, and you know, they, just talking to these guys about finding housing here, you know, just you know, because the real estate is so expensive to buy, and then the rental market is so tight, and you know, you can just kind of sense the frustration. Like, yeah, they didn't tell us about this part, <laughs> you know. So yeah. well, it's kind of interesting. I, I heard, you know, from our understanding, there's a bunch of coaches all all staying together. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and I also think that they were probably pretty upfront with their families and going, guys, we, we aren't going to normally be spending 80 hours a week in the office and things like that. But at least for the for, through spring, we need to set the tone. We need to get the foundation established. We need to get this thing off on the right foot. So they probably had some pretty tough conversations with their families saying, yes, it's going to be difficult. To, to maybe look for a house and things like that this spring anyways, and it's probably a seller's market. We get that. But bottom line, guys, we may not be around that much anyways. <laughs> so this might be a good opportunity for you guys to get everything in order at the old house, at, in your old place in Fresno or wherever you came from, and then and then make the move in the summer and, you know, well, make it yeah, one it- Plus clean kid, that way. Plus kids are finishing up school. Yeah. They still got it, what, three Yeah, there's a lot of – there's a lot of – Physical yeah, they things still got going two on and too. a half, three months left. Um, Deborah's daughter is a really good softball player, really good, and and so she's got her team that she's playing on and doing different stuff. So <clears throat> there's no reason for them to be. I mean, you don't want to be apart from your family for that long, but I mean, other than that, there's no reason for them to be up here right, right. now. And everybody that I've talked to said Kaylin Deborah's daughter. She's a third baseman. Um, she's an elite softball player. Not good, elite. So yeah, it'll well, be interesting it, to follow that. Well, yeah, and, and it's not like Washington hasn't had decent third basemen yeah. like Taylor Van Zee and people like that. So she'd be following in some pretty strong footsteps. Yeah, no, it's interesting because, you know, the uh, us trying to get to know this coaching staff a little bit, and it's an interesting bunch. It really is. Mm-hmm. It really, really is, and I'm enjoying them so far. Chris, you kind of studied, uh, you know, focused on the tight ends today. I well, did. Scott or, yeah. did, Scott but I did. but I did notice they were. It was an interesting thing because we were watching, and a lot of times with when they're running special teams drills and what have you, obviously they'll do these things kind of ad hoc with different coaches coaching up different 
position group. So you might see Lee Marks, for instance, coaching up the offensive linemen or the tight ends or whoever it may be because they're, they're not working on a position-specific thing. They're just working on a basic football fundamental drill. And Courtney Morgan, did you hear Courtney? Yeah, no, no, no. He walked in, and so Courtney Morgan walked in. The and player development guy. And he's watching Lee Marks doing a drill with the with the tight ends and the offensive linemen, where it was basically they were on the 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 the, the linemen were on their knees and they were working on their get off and their and their basically their um, their push mm-hmm. and their um, their attack and it's like what is Coach Marks Courtney doing with was, those guys? Courtney was and, very confused. Yeah, <laughs> and it was it was a little confusing to be honest because it wasn't necessarily a a, a drill that you would use with special teams. teams. Yeah. It was more just like a fun, fundamental thing. So to me, what that told me is these coaching, this coaching staff is really peeling back the onion. I mean, to the to the real bare bones of it all. It's like, you know, if you take like an old table or something like that and you strip it down to like the essential wood, mm-hmm. and so they had nothing on it, and then you add the co- you add everything onto it after that. They really have broken this thing down to it's kind of its brass tacks. Well, they talk about having players versatile and playing a number of positions. It seems like they've got some coaches that can step in and also coach multiple positions as well. Right, and and again, it's not like Lee Marks was coaching something specific to the tight ends or offensive line. He was coaching something very specific to just being a football player and just your attack, your get off, things like that. But what I thought was really interesting about this particular drill was that when the offensive lineman started doing it, and he was kind of, and Coach Marks was kind of rolling through it, Coach Grubb was kind of watching it from the other side. And then in the middle of it, Coach Grubb came in and just offered up a couple words here and there, and it was like they just went double time. I mean, it was like whatever he told them, it was like all of a sudden it was like, oh, okay, this is how we got to do it, boom, boom, boom. So that also told me that this staff is very comfortable with each other in understanding they know their their boundaries, but they also know when they can when they can push in, when they can offer something valuable to the drill to make it, and that's for everyone. And so clearly these guys have, have not just worked with each other for a long time when it comes to guys like Grubb and Marks, but they also understand that if there's a way to make something a little bit better, just a little bit, they're going to take advantage of that. So, yeah, as far as the tight ends, um, uh, Nick Sheridan was really working with his guys on coming, getting to a certain depth, and then take and then uh, really hard angles on their um, on their cuts. It wasn't rounded. Everything had to be sharp. And Jack Westover ran the best one that I saw, but um, Devin Culp, Quentin Moore, they and Zeke Pelour all ran really good. Good routes. It was a, it was an in breaking route that they were working on and stuff. And there was a certain depth he wanted him at, and they had to get there and then sprint out, you know, explode out of their cut and and get open. So they were sh- he was working with that, and then there was another one where they were working on, um, you know, a seam route. And um, this is not a play. This is just a seam route that that uh, they run in vertical, basically route, but it's just down the center of the field. And he was working, and he was actually undercutting it as the defender running so that the quarterback knew where they had to throw the ball because Nick Sheridan isn't the tallest guy in the world. What is he, yeah. about six feet tall? But um, it, it just showed the quarterbacks, hey, th- I'm going to be here, so you can't just throw it right over my head. You have to throw this at a certain angle and drop it in a little bit more. and So it was kind of interesting to watch the way he was running his drills and things like that. They were doing a lot of work with the uh, offensive line, too, today. Yeah. And yeah, one thing we didn't mention is they were in uh, pads today. They were in pads today. 
You had a chance to talk to Anoki Brechterfield. Did you talk to anybody else, Chris? Well, I, I, we talked a little bit with Voy Tanufi, who talked a little bit about, you know, did he did, was he having any second thoughts about, you know, because he got he got recruited by the old staff, coached them for a year, and then all of a sudden was thrown into a totally different situation, whether or not he felt compelled to maybe jump in the, the portal because everyone's got that free that freebie that they can use. And, of course, he said, when I signed that letter, I was in. So he, he made it clear that he was never thinking twice about uh, what was going to happen with that. And talked a little bit about uh, his relationship with Breckerfield. He said it was tough. He said he's being hard on him, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I talked to um, I talked to Voy as well with Chris, but I also talked to um, Daniel Hamuli, which is a guy that we haven't really heard from since he arrived. And um, he he's a guy. He's he said he he really likes what he's doing. Uh, he said a Mike uh, linebacker in this system is dropping back into coverage a little bit more, has a little more responsibilities in coverage than they did in the old system. So he said that's just something I'm getting used to. He says, but he's having fun doing it. Um, said that you know he I asked if he had to be he was a guy who had to be re recruited by the staff, and he said. He said, not necessarily I was willing to give them spring ball to see. before, So they didn't really have to re-recruit me. He said, but I did want to see what it was going to be like. And so I asked, well, what's it like so far? And he says, he said that he, he likes it so far, and he likes his role. So we'll see. And I had a chance to talk to uh, Coach Inge, um, and I asked him, you know, just out of the corner of his eye, if anybody was kind of, flashing a little bit maybe caught his attention more so than the other guys and he didn't hesitate he said Asa Turner um, and uh, he said that he's really come on and I asked Alex Cook about Asa as well and he said you know he says I hate to admit it but because I always like to be this guy but Asa's is always the first one in and he's always the last to leave and he said expect big things from Asa Turner this year so that kind of that kind of surprised me because he's just it just seems like he is yet to find his footing, but it sounds like something has clicked with Asa Turner, so I think it's going to be something to keep an eye on for the rest of spring ball. I just think, I don't know, obviously on the boards there's there's a real kind of polarizing feel about how the fans feel about Asa Turner. I guess I get it. But to me, the, the, the kind of trajectory of Turner's career at Washington is that he really came out gangbusters. I mean, he had that pick at, at BYU – you know, he was he was him and, and Cameron Williams were on that same path. They were kind of doing the same thing. They really took off their true freshman year. And then I just I get the sense that it just feels like things have leveled off for him a little bit and it's it's been a lot more hit and miss than the trajectory kind of following that nice upward curve that you'd want to see. Uh, and his development from year one to year two, which we would assume would be where he grows the most, it didn't I don't think it happened as much. And I think a lot of that is, is attributable to the fact that he did so much right out of the gate his first year. It was, in often ways, it's going to be tough to, to duplicate that or even move past that. Um, so, you know, because I think at that point, when you see a, a true freshman come out of the gates like that, you're starting to think, okay, is this guy going to be like Taylor Rapp? Is this going to be like, is this going to be like a, a Buda Baker situation? Not that he is Buda Baker, but that he could follow a, a particular trajectory like that. And I think so. Maybe there were some unfair expectations put on him right off the right off the bat. And Scott, we're in the Dempsey, so I mean, there were drills that we were only ten feet away from Asa, mm-hmm. with pads on. He's big. Yeah, he's a big kid. He's always been a big kid. He's six four. 
And that's why that's why I put him. At, that's why I put him at the Husky yeah. in terms of the depth because they're, you know, when you're looking at that whole new scheme and you're getting just fragments and ideas of what you think the Husky will be like, and you hear like Dominique Hampton's kind of the ideal body type. Well, who else in the secondary fits that mold? You think almost Asa Turner right away because no one else outside. Maybe maybe Cook or maybe Kulani. like a Cab Cab Fabiculani. Yeah, Cam Fabiculani. Yeah. Um, it's just there's just not a lot of guys that they've obviously recruited because they haven't had a real chance to go out and do that. Um, so but I'm not surprised. I, honestly, I'm not surprised that Asa Turner's doing well. I think he's just he's a guy that's a veteran in the system. I'd expect the same out of him. I'd expect the same out of Cam Williams. I'd expect the same out of uh, Julius Hervin, for that matter. Yeah, it almost seems like you know just you know no disrespect to Jimmy, but Jimmy I, I, at times I thought he could be pretty tough on Asa, and you know maybe just you know with the new voices in Asa's head and the new position coaches, a new lease on life for him because it sure sounds like he's doing the right things. Yeah, if there if if all those guys, I don't care how well you did in in twenty twenty one. But if you're not looking at this opportunity like a new lease on life or, or a way to really put your, your career in a different trajectory, then I, I think you're missing an opportunity. Yeah. Because these guys are obviously, they're in it. They're in it to win it. Um, all I'm hearing from the people around them is that they, they think they can do big things there. They do. They legitimately think they can do big things. Can't go podcasts and after practice without talking about the quarterbacks. Anything jump out at you today? I, I did watch the quarterbacks a little bit. The tough thing about it is, and, and, and just to give people a little bit of a, of a peek in terms of what staffs will do, and, and to be honest with you, I've seen this drill run by every staff since I've been here um, in terms of the, where they put it in the lineup right away. They try to get these guys off in, in with really good energy. And the way to do that, especially in a team drill right off the bat, is to move the ball downfield no matter what. So they're doing like quick huddle type stuff, and they're moving the ball down. But that was really the only 11-on-11 situation we got a chance to see before we had to leave. So it was very difficult. I mean, it's even though they're going up against the, the first 11 defense or the second 11 defense, for instance, it really is still almost like routes on air. That said, I really did think that the quarterbacks looked sharp today. I mean, I I didn't see too many drops. Um, I did see a couple, but you know, I mean, they weren't really out of the ordinary. And it just looks like they were slinging it pretty well today, and they weren't really missing their targets. So in that sense, going up against air, you, they did what you would expect them to do. Yeah, it, uh, every practice we've we've seen them do eleven on eleven for. The first unit does does a series. Yeah. Second unit does a series. And it's just a quick thing. Like they just yeah. run. They just run their sequence. They're, they and they're do doing, it for less than three minutes. Yeah. It's just a hurry up yeah. thing, and they just want to get them up and down the field. And I think they just feel like that's a great way yeah. for them to get some success early. Gets their bodies really moving. Gets the juices flowing. It's like I said. It's but a it, drill that I've seen yeah. the staffs over the but years do right away. It's how we know who's running with the first unit that day. Who's yeah. running with the second unit? Some people were questioning why Sam, shouldn't it be Sam Heward's day since yeah, because today the number one Morris, was, was Morris, Morris, and then yeah. Penix was number two. Yeah, so yeah, yeah but we don't know what happened when we left. Mm-hmm. And yeah. as far as we understand, but this is. No, they, they don't usually do that. But as far as we understand, this is day three of yeah. the four days that they said they were trying to get these guys equal reps. So my understanding is, is on Wednesday, it, it, I would I would be shocked if it wasn't Heward as the number one guy. We'll see. It, and from what we've been able to see, I, there is no way that you can say that one guy has separated himself. We just haven't seen enough 
to really say that one guy is looking better or one guy is separated himself. There's just no way at this point. In practice well, and again, Kim, it goes down to that first four days where they're giving them equal reps, and um, I'm sure they're not even. I'm sure that's the last thing they're even thinking about at this point is trying to differentiate one guy from the other. I think they just literally are trying to get as many turns on film as they can so that they can go back and Grub has stuff that they can show them, um, either individually or in the room, in terms of what works, what doesn't. And again, you got to remember, these guys are learning as much about the quarterbacks, and the quarterbacks are learning as much about Grub and DeBoer and what they want, too. And this is a wholly different thing. You know, it's like... You know, it's like they've been living in Spain for 20 years, and all of a sudden they got they just moved to Germany, and they got to figure out, okay, what's that guy saying? You know, Sprechen Sie Deutsch. And I was like, I, I don't know what the guy's saying, but I got to figure it out fast. It's still a little bit interesting looking at the running backs. Yeah. Is it? <laughs> There's nobody there. Is it to me? It's, it There's hasn't only changed. three of them. Uh, and the nice thing was that Caleb Berry was there. I mean, so On he's out. Sidelines. He's off the COVID protocol, thankfully. So he's walking around and stuff, but they didn't have him doing anything, whereas at least on the side with conditioning, um, Newton Coach McKeefrey had, had Newton and Cam Davis there with, uh, who was it, Fatui Tuatele? And Kirkland. And Jackson Kirkland, yeah. So He was working them hard, too. Yeah, and so they, they, they do their thing, So, but Caleb Berry wasn't even a part of that. So I don't know if he's still dealing with some residual stuff or if they're just kind of have hips, you know, kind of, Putting the kid gloves on him yeah. for a little bit longer. From what I've heard, it's probably another week. Yeah, and it wouldn't surprise play. me at all. And that might be a, that might yeah. even be a, a low uh, expectation. Yeah, it's just kind of strange. You're looking at Sermon running it, running back yeah. with the ones. Yeah. So, but you know that the the upside is if, if there's any silver linings or next man up type things there, this is going to give Aaron Dumas a chance to get right in the mix. I mean, him and, and JV on yeah, JV on Sunday. Those are your two scholarship guys right now. Now, Sam Sam Adams is in there, and he's getting reps, but he is in yellow. So he's not mm-hmm. – he's probably not, obviously, full contact. But, um, you know, this is, again, Aaron Dumas. This is just like Cam Bright, Jordan Perriman, all those guys. Got to get those guys in right away. Yeah, Aaron Dumas has got a different body style for running back than we've seen in a while. He is compact, and his lower body, I mean, from his hips on down, he is he's put together. Yep. His lower body. Yep. We were trying to think if there's been another running back that uh, you know had that kind of a lower body, and I couldn't think of anybody mm-hmm. who's built like that. Nope, not at all. I don't want. I, I hate to say Walter Payton esque, but he's got that type of yeah. a lower body. Yeah, but Walter Payton was 170 pounds. Yeah. This guy's 220, 215. Yeah, no, he's <clears throat> he's huge lower body. But. Yeah. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. I saw a couple of recruits there, Renton High School uh, coaching staff, and they brought some guys in. It was, uh, it was looked like one guy. I'm not sure. If no no recruits that were really worth mentioning. They were just a bunch of local kids that they brought in for. Mm-hmm. There, there was no one. Okay, and recruiting, uh, you know, uh, over the weekend, I know you had your recruiting blog, Scott. Yeah. Anything you want to touch bases on? Um, sounds like they had Micah Banuelos up. I posted that story Twice. on Sunday. Twi- well, yeah, once on Wednesday and once on, on Saturday. 
And then um, Malachi Crawford, I posted a story from his visit from Wednesday of last week. So, um, Husky, you know, it's it's going to be a little slow right now. Um, I think the plan is for the staff, I think they'd like to have like five or six commits by the end of summer. But they want. They said that the guys that they really, really want a lot, I get the feeling that these are guys that are going to wait and see what Washington can do on the football field. I think that's what we're looking for. Do we, do we need to have the umbrella conversation? No. <laughs> do we need to have the recruiting momentum panic story? No. Well, I, just, I just find it very interesting that there's a lot of people out there that, that aren't connecting dots. And they're again, just trying to do something and again, different. And again, instead of being curious, they're being very judgmental. And I don't understand the I don't understand. How about the, the person saying that, that they could tell it was Photoshopped? And I so I texted. <laughs> I texted Ben Walos. Was that photoshopped? He goes, no. They had me jump in the air and they took a picture. Yeah. And and uh, Malachi Crawford did the same thing. Yeah. I was just like. That's why uh, I just, think we need to have the umbrella. It, conversation. I, I guess I guess it's because we're in April I, and it's just slow. I, I just, don't know. I've just come to think if the old guys hate it, it's pretty much the young guys love it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that certainly is. It's it's but, but it's it's the whole get off my lawn. Thing I'm an old guy, Kim. I'm I'm 51. I I didn't. I don't hate it or or anything. I, I don't hate it. I don't like it. I just, this is what they're doing. They're what trying I, to do something a little different. What, what I don't understand is I, I get it when people say they don't want to be on Twitter. I, I mean, God love you. If yeah. I could be in your shoes, I, wish I, didn't I have would to do be on it Twitter. in a New York God, second. I, I would not want to be on Twitter for love or money. I just wouldn't. You couldn't pay me, except for I have to. It's part of my job. So when we post things that are tweets... On the message boards for you, the subscriber, to look, and you see the little purple umbrella emoji. <laughs> yeah. Do you are you just are you getting the connection? Are you putting one and one together in your head and coming up with twelve? Because I don't understand why people don't understand the purple rain hashtag, and they're like rain. I get it. I love the purple rain. Oh no! But if it's rain, that's R A I. Okay, people. This is, do we really need to sit you down and make you understand but, this? But it isn't just that. I'm going to have to see if I can find some purple it's umbrellas. Just the, the problem is, so Jackson's sermon is gone, yeah. right? They've only got Asa Turner to bitch about. So what's the <laughs> other thing they're going to bitch about? It's Montlake Futures. And someone actually posted, I don't remember the name of the poster. No, there was some, a great, yeah, it was yeah, a great he thread. Posted a, he called Montlake Futures yeah. and said he had, what, a 15, 20-minute conversation with yeah. the guy or something? Yeah. And, and got a gave a huge breakdown. Defensive dog. Defensive. I give dog. you a kudos. Yes, a thumbs me up. Me too. He gives this huge thing on on what um, Motley Features is doing, and Motley Features he's even admitted, hey, we need to increase our presence a little bit more on social media. We need to get get people more involved. But right now, it's just an evolving thing for them, and. We, I explained it in the blog, and of course people want to argue with me that saying that it's just an excuse. It's not an excuse. The Husky coaches and the Wazoo coaches, the two programs in the state, trying to do NIL, the coaches cannot facilitate offers for kids. Right. They, it is a Washington state law. It is not being flaunted by other people. That it, A state law is a lot different than an NCAA law right now. That, and people need to understand, they are not doing these things because they are not allowed to do these things. They are a state employee, and if they don't go by the state law, they can be fired w- with cause, right? Isn't that what it's called? Probably. And, and where 
you don't get any money. You could lose your job. They're not going to lose their job because they decided to go flaunt some rule. Well, one other thing, Washington's not going to put seven-figure... That's never going to be deals. the case. It's well, never going to be the case. No. Just, and some of the guys that Washington is recruiting... They don't want those. They're going to get seven-figure NIL They, they are, but that, but and, and some of them are just like, I don't really care about the money. They're like, of course I'm going to take it if I... If they, they said if all things being equal, and I get a I get a really good NIL deal from somebody, I'm probably going there. But that's not what I'm looking for. Well, when I it comes to it, I'm, I won't tell you the coach I talked to, but you know when they're bringing in these guys and you know they're talking about NIL deals possible elsewhere, and they can get money, and they want to know about how much they can get on NIL. You know the deal is to make a football or a basketball mm-hmm. decision, and the money will follow. But if you're going to make a money decision, it's going to be tough for football and basketball to follow. But it's not just that. Are they the right personality that you want in your locker room? There you go. I mean, Mitchell Agood, I think that's how you say his last name. The, the Agude? guy Agude? Agude, Agude. Yeah. Um, the guy from UCLA. First of all, two and a half sacks. Yeah. And he's getting 500 k That is that's way so overpaying. That, that's nice work if you can that get That is way overpaying for that. It is not worth it. Washington didn't stop recruiting him. But when he came in and he sat down with the coaches and the first words out of his mouth were, what can you get me for an NIL deal? I guarantee you, at the very least, it, they're like, I don't think this guy is the right fit for what we're trying to do. Oh, God. We're going to get ripped if, for talking, I don't I care. <laughs> People need to understand. Go root for other teams then because this program is never going to be that. And the, this staff is never going to be that staff. Yeah, it's just not. It's and I'm going to be honest with you guys, the, the locker room toxicity that this is going to cause with some of these kids, well, it, these coaches just are like, hey, if I can get a kid in here that wants to do like 5000 a month or something like that, where I get them yeah. some extra stuff, and I don't have to put up with all the crap, on the on the back end with him because he's he's a kind of ego kid that needs to flaunt all of this money. That's let's, let's say a kid gets a five thousand dollar a month nil deal, Scott. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, with most of these kids out of that five thousand, how much are they going to see? How much is going to go in the kid's pocket? Oh, it's it's most a after lot of taxes. Well. Not only that, but you got the trainers with their hands out. You got parents with their hands out. Sisters, brothers. You got all the hangers on. Yeah, you, you got yeah. everybody. And by the t- I, I would say forty cents on the dollar. The person facilitating the deal. Yeah. No. No. Wait till they well, get think the- about it. What are they going to get taxed at? About- Welcome to the business world. <laughs> yeah, they're going to get <laughs> tax- They're going to get taxed at about thirty percent, twenty percent, whatever it is. Yeah. So they just they, that takes them down. They to even want to right be bothered there. with taxes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, see, that's the other well, thing. That's that I, that's the reason why. That's the reason why. No idea. That's the reason why you have to for. do it the right way. See, but to to bring it full circle to the reason I brought up the umbrella thing, and you you were talking about the excuses and what explanations. This is the fundamental problem on the message boards. People don't want to differentiate between what an explanation is and what they construe as an excuse. You you can't have it both ways. Yeah. You have to understand. We're simply explaining it to There's you. Context. We're, we're not. We're not trying to offer it up as an excuse our, to what they're doing. We're our, trying to just tell you the way it our is. Our job is to add context to everything. That's what we do. Yes. Some people just don't like it. And by the way, just real quick, I just keep on going back to Trent McDuffie, where he said, "You know, I got school and football. Do I really want to be be beholden to one more person in my life?" 
you know, with these people. They're not just going to hand you cash. They expect something in return. Do I want something else on my plate? And it goes back to what you said. You know, when people are telling these guys they need to make the decision about their sport. Football decisions. Because if they make the decision about their sport and just stick to what they're doing and just do the best job that they can do at their sport, the rest will fall everything place. else will come into, into focus. That's, yeah. that's the way it's supposed to be. Yep. They're jumping. They're trying to put the cart before the horse, and that's not how, you, that's not how business works. Yeah. It's, not, it's not how anything's supposed to work, really. All right, let's wrap this up. Scott, final thoughts? Good third day. Um, you know, we're kind of getting into that grind a little bit where it's just we're used to seeing the same drills. Groundhog's Day. We're, we're used to, you know. It is what it is. It's so it's so cute watching our new intern Matt. He gets so into all the drills. He thinks they're. He goes, "These drills look really great." Yeah. We're just like, "Yeah, they, <laughs> nine coaches, same drills. It's the same drills, dude." Yeah. So you know, I mean, it's but I mean, it's it's a fresh fresh eyes, fresh face. You know, he he's he's and he's doing a good job for us. But you know, Jack. You know the old. This hard. Time, I was gonna say this time next year he'll be the wise and fat. Yeah, he'll be the, like, yeah, whatever. The, yeah, the 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 third year intern. By yeah. the way, Jack was never told by Luke that he could get credits for his internship. <laughs> he was like, "What?" That's, that's, that's Kim's job. No, well, but Luke could have told them. You know, so Luke yeah. didn't do it. You can get college credit for doing the internship for yeah. us. Yeah, no, most of them have. Yeah. Uh, Chris Fetters uh, again, just. Echoing what Scott said, just again, we're we're getting into those dog days already, and um, seeing a lot of the the, the things. I, I thought it was very interesting. We're not seeing a lot of variations in the first and second teams for for both offensive and defensive lines. Where we're seeing some of the package switches is we're seeing some of the different linebackers combinations, the safeties, and the corners are sometimes switching. So like we've seen. You know, uh, Michelle Powell and Elijah Jackson as a duo. We've seen Perryman and Jacoby Covington as a duo. Sometimes they'll be with the ones, sometimes they'll be with the twos. But we haven't really seen a lot of switching with the uh, offensive and defensive lines. They've been pretty static so far. So that's that's been interesting. So I, I really wonder if, if Coach Huff and Coach Brechterfield really like those things. Because talking to Coach Brechterfield today, he did talk about trying to find those pairings and those combos that really work well for him. And so clearly, and he talked about uh, Ulamula Ale. And he just said, you know, what, where do you think his role? And he goes, dude, he's right in the middle. He's going to stuff everything in the middle. That's what he's going to do. And he still wants to get him down to about 330. I think he's about 345 right now. But he says, you know, that's a guy that won't move. And he's just going to stuff, stuff, stuff a lot of people like, um, you know, like Vita Vea back in the day. So I um, thought that was really encouraging. But, again, it feels like there's already a lot of things in place. I'll be very curious to see if they make any minor tweaks either on either side of the line going forward. Yeah, just uh, you know, going forward, we have practice Wednesday and uh, right. Friday, and just uh, looking ahead, um, we've got some warm weather days coming up. It's supposed to be uh, 70 degrees in Seattle on uh, on Thursday, so I'm sure Wednesday we will be back outside. Uh, Friday looks like a 50% chance of rain, so we'll see how that goes. So it's April. Yeah. It, it, you can have a 30-degree swing. Yeah, if you don't like the weather, easily. wait. Yeah. You know, drive five miles. It'll change or yeah. wait a half hour. But, uh, yeah, we'll be back day four on Wednesday, which should be interesting, you know, being back outside. And hopefully we'll get to see a little bit more of the quarterback. So, hey, Chris, Kim just got some good news, too. Yeah, it's just, yeah just a reminder. Uh, hey, yeah, Kalen DeBoer is following him back. I just got to notice Kalen DeBoer is following me. 
Oh, see, I thought you <laughs> he's were on the radar. I thought you were going to say Julio Rodriguez. I don't think Tyrone Willingham ever followed me, but anyways, no, Sark followed me, Jimmy followed me, and Pete even followed me. Oh, yeah. hey, Julio Rodriguez, yeah. opening day. I don't care what yeah. anyone says. That's the best day. That's hey. the best news of today. Hey, just a quick reminder: today's the last day of our fifty percent off your annual subscription. So, um, if you're not an annual subscriber, you can upgrade if you're a monthly. But fifty uh, percent off that ends at nine o'clock tonight. So. For all of us at Dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund. Go dogs. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.